Jerusha Meldrum is a senior people advisor for one of the biggest professional services firms in the world. Jerusha started out her career in human resources in her home country of South Africa. She has a bachelor's degree in social science with an honors degree in commerce, which she completed whilst she was working. In today's episode, we learn about Jerusha's move from a stable job in South Africa to a new position in the United Kingdom. The transition was not easy, especially during COVID. So she shares some of the challenges that she faced while moving and unpacks some of the insights that she learned along the way. This episode is about perseverance, being agile, and adapting to change to achieve your end goal. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Young Professional African Edition with your host, Jonathan Rwanika and Shanil Mudli, equipping you with all the right tools to jumpstart your career in an African context by sharing experiences and spreading the gospel of information. With original music brought to you by Africa's own, Yunil Badiachi. Thanks for joining, Jerusha. So, firstly, where are you from and where did you grow up? Firstly, thank you, Chanel and Jonathan, for having me. Um, I feel extremely privileged being on your show. Um, and thank you for the opportunity. Um, so, I'm from Durban, South Africa. Um, I actually grew up um, in a bit of both Phoenix as a community and Lanasia. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood there. Um, when I turned 15, my parents moved, bought our first official home in Pinetown. And um, we lived there until I actually moved to Johannesburg in 2011. Okay, awesome. And, and why did you, so I'm guessing, you, you know, you spent quite a bit of time in Durban. Did you move to, to Johannesburg to study? Was it for work? Uh, what really prompted the move? I moved to Johannesburg because I felt that there would be better work opportunities for me. Uh, I, I started my career in, in Durban, in HR, but I just felt like I wanted to progress. I wanted more for, for, for myself, for my, in my job, in my career. Um, it did feel like a lot of people within the organization where I was at had been in the role for a long time, and I just felt there would be more progression for myself um, moving, moving into Johannesburg. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's typical to, to many industries and many careers. We always um, try to try to end up in Joburg most of the, most of the time for, for career progress. Yeah. And, yeah. and in terms of your, your studying or your, your academic background, did you do like a formal qualification in HR or something HR related? Yeah, thanks, Chanel. So I started, um, you know, initially I matriculated in, at Pinetown Girls High in 20, 2004. And like every other person who matriculates, you come out and you're like, okay, now what? You know, what do I actually need to do with my life? And it's totally normal to feel that way. Um, I didn't have an idea of what I wanted to be when I grew grow up. Um, I had never thought about that uh, at the time. And it was the new year and I needed to register and, and start studying something. So I was a bit late with my registration and I, I then registered at, at VC Westville where I did my Bachelor of Arts. Um, a year in, I didn't like or enjoy what I was doing. 
Um, so I was academically first year again, socially second year, and I moved on to UKZN. Um, and then in 2008, I graduated with a B social science, bachelor's of social science in media um, management and, and communications. So at the time, I had envisioned going into a media company. Um, I thought, you know, I would get into marketing and communications. And there was very limited scope of work, very limited jobs out there for me in Durban at the time. Um, I eventually just, you know, started a few admin admin roles. Um, and um, yeah, and then I moved on. I moved into HR. Wow. And I think what's, what's interesting about what you're saying is, you know, unless you've done the, the traditional finance, accounting, medicine, engineering, which, which often have quite a structured, structured role, as you said, the scope is, is quite limited um, in South Africa. And now, now you're in London doing, you know, other, other stuff related to HR. So how did that transition happen? And was it the lack of opportunity that sort of pushed you in the direction to start applying to London or, or was it something else? So when I um, moved to Johannesburg, I, I moved in the capacity of working in HR. Um, I must be honest, I, I didn't go to a job. I was applying for jobs during my holidays and um, I just took a chance and I, I started doing some contract work. I actually put myself out there and it's gen just generally how I've been. I'd always put myself out there just to say, I'll do anything. You know, I'll sit in a cabinet and file for you if I had to. Um, and, um, the agent that I, I actually set out, I'd do some filing and the agent that put, got me the role, um, then said, look, we've got a vacancy for an HR person in, um, an engineering company, which is where I, I started working. And then I met my husband, um, who happens to be from England. So we met at the off, we met at work. Um, he was born in Southeast England. And from the time we met, all he spoke about is, you know, one day we should go back to England. I'd like to take you there. Um, and that's what actually sparked it. Um, so he would mention it to me um, ad hoc, you know, have, did you, do you want to go to England? You should, you know, I'd like to show you around or I want to take you to visit. And eventually he got a bit more serious about it and said, look, you know, I want to apply for jobs there. And he managed to secure a role in England in September 2019. And by that stage, I had sort of, you know, climbed the corporate ladder. I was in a senior HR business partner role. Um, I was in a good career at the time. And I actually, I left, I left that behind um, to move to England. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't something I wanted to do uh, to say, you know, I want to move to England. It was, it was just, okay, let's do it, um, you know. Wow, that's, that's super interesting. And, and I like the fact that you, you put yourself out there, you take risks and that you, you climb the ladder. And I, and I think this is, and, um, you know, this is one of the reasons why we, we got you on the show. I came across a really um, inspiring post from you on LinkedIn, you know, describing that experience of moving to London and being really honest about it, um, you know, letting, letting us know the good and the bad and those sort of things. So, so maybe let's delve a bit into that um, for the benefit of, of, of the listeners. Tell us a bit about, you know, that initial transition. This was at right at the beginning, I guess, of, of COVID and, and some of your experiences thus far. Yeah. 
when I got here, Chanel, I thought I was on holiday. You know, we, <laughs> we, we got in here. I unpacked my bags and I was like, right, we're going shopping. You know, I was on this absolute holiday mode. Um, it was also over the Christmas New Year period. So everything was buzzing. There were lights around. It felt very holiday-ish. Um, so I can tell you, when I look back, I remember buying souvenirs to take home. And my husband was like, why are you buying souvenirs? And I said, well, to take home. And he says, home where? And then I realized, you know, actually, I'm not going back to South Africa. And it still felt a bit like, oh, okay, I'm on holiday. I like this. I, I'm not waking up for work every morning. I'm really enjoying this. Um, and then it was weeks. And then I realized, hang a second. I'm not, I have, I have no purpose right now. I felt like I had no purpose because I was, I worked from, from when I graduated, I've been working and suddenly there's this complete standstill. And I worked um, at my previous company, I actually worked until the December period. So I got here and then I realized I'm not employed. Um, and, and I started applying for jobs and I started hearing, you know, do you have a CIPD? Um, do you have experience in the UK? It was the same sort of messages that I was getting from agencies. Um, and that got into February, maybe March. And the next thing, you know, everywhere on the news, it was coronavirus pandemic. Um, and, and before I knew it, I had secured an interview a week before we went on lockdown and everything had just gone to a complete standstill. Um, and at that moment, I realized, hang a second, we're stuck here you know, hearing those words, it's a lockdown. Initially, it was all off. It was novelty. You know, yay, we, you know, my husband's at home with me and my son's at home with me. I, we can watch TV, we can binge. And then I realized I don't have a job. And, and it was just mentally, applying for jobs mentally was exhausting. Um, applying from the time it, it became a job, applying for jobs became a job. I would wake up in the morning and I'd start looking and looking and eventually you're applying for the same jobs over and over. And when the pandemic happened and people were be being furloughed and um, the economy was changing, I just became another number in the job market. The unemployment rate was rocket high. It was the highest it's ever been. Um, and then I realized, you know, my skill set, now organizations have or firms have the opportunity to choose people that they want. And I don't have a voice in the market anymore. And I started asking agents questions. I said, you know, and a lot of the agents started getting furlough, furloughed. So the people that I was chatting to, I didn't have those contacts. So I felt extremely helpless. Um, you know, my mental well-being, I was, I would just burst into tears. I'd go to bed and not want to eat or I'd start crying. And um, it was emotionally draining because I just felt like, is this the end? Have I made the right decision? Should I have actually made this move? And a part of me was starting to say to myself, you know, maybe we should just go back to South Africa. We, we can just go back and, and just go back to how things were, you know, that moment when you just want to turn back the clock and, and restart. Um, and you know, I, I then thought, well, I had invested myself in this, it's, you know, the time, the effort that we had put into doing this. Um, and I spoke to an agent and they said to me, you know, just get a CIPD, 
do the level three or any level, just get it, get it done. And I started that in March. Um, so I registered for that. And I thought, okay, I'll put it on my CV. Um, you know, and now you're in a tick box mode, you know, okay, yeah. what next? I've got the CIPD, what next? What next? I changed my CV. I have versions of my CV, like March, 2020, April, 2020. And then it was dated because now I'm, I was looking for jobs. They'd ask for something different. I then changed my CV to, to suit um, or to speak the same language as, as the organization, you know, all these little tweaks and, and changes. Um, and then thought, okay, let me open my own consulting company. And, um, you know, Chanel, when I got you, I didn't have, it's not like I just had savings set aside. Um, my Provident Fund was the kind of savings that I was using, you know. Um, and I invested that in my CIPD. I invested that in this business that I thought I'll just do a web page and get it up and running and put myself out there on Instagram, Facebook, and see if I get any hits. Um, and nothing, it was dead quiet. Um, you know, it was just nothing was really happening because of the pandemic. Um, and people didn't want to hear about businesses or have cold calls. Um, they were under pressure to save their firms at the time, you know. And I understood that I had to respect what was going on with the world. And uh, I took a step back from that and that business failed and it was something I had to just let go of. Um, the CIPD was an ongoing 14 months program. And the next on my tick box was, do you have UK experience? Do you have UK experience? We have a fixed term role. Do you have UK experience? I didn't have any of that. Sure, that is that is you know just taking it all in. That's that's such a such a crazy story and a crazy journey to think that a week later you had your interview set up and then you know COVID, the world goes into lockdown. You're starting a company. You're trying to do the CPID, um, all of these checklist items. There's 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 really a lot of takeaways there, and I and I think one of the biggest ones that we'll probably you know speak a bit about more is tailoring your CV. To, to suit these different roles, mm. which has been a prominent theme um, that we've had come through the podcast. So, mm. so you know, eventually, and, and now, you, you, you know, you are in a, in a working place and, and stuff like that. How did, how did everything sort of transition or has it yeah. started to transition? How did you move from there? Because I think that's, that's, I was actually reading very interesting stats today. Um, we've, mm. in, in South Africa, we've got like 56% youth unemployment or 46% mm. sorry, youth unemployment. And then through that, you know, the different breakdowns of people with degrees, without degrees, without. Mm. So, so, yeah. how, and, and, you know, I'm sure they also felt the same sort of hopelessness and the similar things that you, that you've described. Firstly, mm. how did you handle the, the mental strain? You know, did you have sort of coping mechanisms in place? And then secondly, how did you push to sort of get yourself back on track to continue to try and, and eventually mm. get something. Yeah. I had to change my mindset, you know. Um, I always, when whenever I had my self-reflections, I'd always say, you know, I want to gym, I want to get active, I want to be fit. Um, and my constant excuse was, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to um, do a street run, or I don't have the time to eat healthier. You know, it's always, we always complain about how we don't have time to do things. 
And at that moment, I felt like it was God's way of saying, now is your time. If you want to read your books that you wanted to read, now's the time. Um, if you want to start being fit or, you know, exercise or run, I mean, we could still run outside. Uh, we could do our, our morning walks or evening walks. So I used the time to that I felt was mentally sustaining me mentally I'd spend more time with my son um, I, you know I'd set up a, a picnic outside um, so all the things I couldn't do as a working mother I used this time to do uh, I used this time to do that and sometimes you have to stop yourself you you just have to let go and I know it's easier say it's easier said now and it's 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 easy for someone to tell that to you but when you're going through it you don't want to hear it you don't want anyone to tell you it's going to be okay this is just one of those times in your life um I didn't want to hear anyone saying to me but uh, are you really applying for jobs you know are you looking for enough jobs are you sure you you're checking all the websites and I used to get really frustrated um, and really upset with myself because I felt like, am I not good enough? You start self-doubting. Um, and I had to pull myself together for my family, for my son, for the fact that my family, my, my mom and dad are far away. Um, you know, they would pick up the phone and say, how are you coping? Are you managing? Do you want to come back home? And part of me was like, yes, I do want to come back home. Like you have no idea how badly I want to come back home. And the other part was, I'm invested here. Let's just make it work. I had to, I had to constantly, you know, those self-affirmations to say to myself, we're going to do this. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it work. And I had to just believe that this was just one of those bad moments and I'm going to get through this. And everything in life is short term. You know, at the moment, it felt like this was going on forever. Um, eventually, later down the year, um, I got into April, May, June. I just decided while well, it was summer, I'm just going to enjoy myself. Um, we were sort of easing on lockdown from the first lockdown at the time. So I could go for a coffee. I would do a morning run. And, um, you know, I just started doing more for myself, more for my mental state, uh, more for my uh, physical state. Uh, more for my family. I started cooking. It was something I really didn't like doing back home. So, um, you know, started making the time to do things that I wanted to do that was on my bucket list of, of things. These are the skills, started learning new skills. Um, and um, I used the time for that, um, you know, doing a lot of homemade stuff, um, even attempting to make my own mask kind of th things, you know, just keep myself busy, keeping my mind occupied. Um, yes, I binge watched. I binge watched most episodes on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> I can write um, bios in the, on them. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, and, and then I was studying, you know, between everything, I was still studying. So that sort of occupied me, it kept me busy. Um, and it took me through those months, having those assessments to submit every six weeks sort of kept me going whenever I felt like I was, I was going into a state of depression, I'd quickly log on and read through my, my notes and, and go on with the studying. Um, and then I contacted a friend in South Africa and she said, you know, she's got some admin, do, do I want to just help her out? And I said, look, whatever, I'll do some policies for you. And I just helped her ad hoc with some HR work. So it sort of fulfilled me in a way. 
Um, and I was just doing that ad hoc to help her out. Um, I'd offer myself to my friends and say, you know, if you want some HR advice, give me a call. I'm here and, I, you know, I have a lot of networks in South Africa and they'd give me a call. Um, and it was also just nice having a chat. WhatsApp definitely helped me. I would contact my family and friends all day, all the time, um, just to check in. When I felt I was getting depressed, I'd call someone and, you know, we'd have a chat and I'd feel a lot better. Um, and then, yeah, it got closer to the end of the year. Um, lockdown was easing and the market started picking up. I noticed different jobs coming up on LinkedIn um, on the various UK um, sites um, at recruitment portals. And that's where I applied for my, my job at Grant Thornton was one of the roles I had actually applied for at the time. Um, that interview stage, everything was virtual. Um, Chanel, to date, I haven't met my colleagues. I've been at Grant Thornton for six months. I haven't met anyone. Um, I feel like entirely inclusive in the team, even though I haven't met anyone. You know, we, are, we sometimes feel like we're on a dating app because I say to them, so when we meet, like, what do you look like? And how <laughs> tall are you? And how short are you? And where should I look? You know, and we, it's quite nice. I've sort of um, bonded with the team quite well because, you know, they, they put in a lot of, I think they were also conscious that um, the world had changed through the pandemic and they had put in a lot of channels of support in terms of having a buddy. And um, so that was great. I had that support. I had the support of my people manager going into an organization, not knowing anyone, just a call from someone to say, you know, are you okay? How's things going? And um, it made me feel a lot more settled. It made me feel like I was back home in South Africa, just another day working from home, um, you know, it, it sort of started falling into place. That's, that's so great to hear. And, and I'm glad you felt that way. And, and, you know, that stuff I can relate to. I also changed jobs during the, um, during the pandemic and, and joining a new company digitally, as you said, you know, it, it's strange. It's, uh, you, you haven't met people face to face. You don't really know like the company culture. It's difficult to assess the culture from, mm -hmm. you know, via Teams or, or Zoom or whatever platform you're using. So, so things like that, those small things that you take for granted um, mm -hmm. definitely play, play a big role um, in, yeah. your, in your professional development and your professional journey. And, and now, you know, as a, as a South African, as an African living abroad, how, how has that been for you? Have you been able to integrate and have you, are there a lot of other Africans and South Africans that you've met there? Is there a strong network um, yeah. that's involved through the pandemic? You know, surprisingly enough, um, I when I got here, I have no family here. I have no friends here. Um, I literally knew nobody. Besides my husband and my son, I had no one here. Um, it was extremely scary and daunting because I thought, well, actually, I have no one. Like, you know, that moment when you just want to see someone, you you want to talk to them and like face to face and or you just want to hug someone because you're going through something. And I didn't have any of those support structures. It was it was extremely taxing. Um, and then a friend of mine referred me to a group on LinkedIn called um, South Africans um, Working in the UK. Um, and I got connected into this group and it eventually went and we were added into a WhatsApp group. And that was great because, you know, it's, it's simple things like, hi guys, I feel like eating something South African, you know, or I'm looking, it's so cold. Does anyone know where I can find Milo? 
um, you know, it was the simple things that just makes you feel like you're back home, um, that feeling of familiarity. Um, I, you know, me saying, hey, do you, does anyone know where I can find spice? I've run out of the spice that I brought over from SA. Um, you know, I'm looking for some spice. And, and they have been super amazing. Like that group and that network of people has been super amazing in helping me integrate and feeling a bit of familiarity. Like the first time I cooked a curry, I was so excited that I showed my mom a photo and I was like, look, I cooked doll. <laughs> you know, it's like, like oh, oh, what most South Africans call doll. And I was like, I cooked doll here. And I had drumsticks in my doll. And my mom was like, no ways, <laughs> you know, and it just made me feel so at home. Just simple things like the kind of food that we ate. Um, uh, you know, Chanel, now like I even have my own Durban homemade samosas that I get from England. So, wow. um, <laughs> you know, those kind of things it does feel comforting. And I know, um, you know, the, the struggle, the struggle of being here, having that kind of network of people that actually say to you, you know, just hang in there, things are going to be different. And, and, you know, just to ask simple questions like, hi, has anyone, did anyone fly to SA? What was the experience like? Just things that are a bit more relevant. Or when the pandemic happened, you know, hi, does anyone have family in Verulam? Do you know where I can get online shopping? You know, kind of things like that, where yeah. we could relate to each other. There were things that we were all experiencing. Um, and we could ask those questions and it didn't feel like we were lost and we had nowhere to go in, you know, who do we ask these questions to? So it was quite nice having that group and that network. Um, it did, it did feel a lot better, um, having that support. Yeah, I'm sure it, it, it did. And that, that reminded me, I think, uh, we, we had another, somebody else on the show, uh, Rami, I'm trying to remember the name of his company, but they do something similar where they actually, uh, an events organization and they create different events for Africans living in the UK, social events, mm. and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, companies like that and, and these WhatsApp groups, it's really important to, even though you're there to experience new things, it's always good to have some, a little part of home with you, I guess, where, wherever you're going. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, also my whole life was spent in South Africa. So the yeah. familiarity is all about what we ate, what we did, where we went, what was familiar to us. Um, I'll tell you what, I was super excited when I saw Nando's here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, wow, I cannot believe this. Like I can actually eat chicken that tastes like home, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, and it's just those kind of, it's little things. It's little things that actually just take you back, especially in a time where you haven't seen family and, you, you know, religious occasions, Easter, Christmas, we haven't spent any of those together. Um, so you're sitting at a dinner table all by yourself with your own family, your immediate family, and that's it. Um, so it really did change the dynamic of how we lived. Um, you know, we would be preparing to travel and go to see family or do do stuff with family or um, you know that experience of having a big family lunch on Christmas day I didn't have any of that you know it was all on video call I'd put on a video call and chat to my mom and dad and my brother and my sister-in-law and um, the worst was the worst for me was my nephew was born and he was three months old when I moved here and I anticipated seeing them like last year, April, and I thought, oh, I'll see my nephew in, at Easter, you know, or, and then it was like, oh, I'll see my family in June. And then 
you know, lockdowns extended. Oh, I'll see them at Christmas. And it's now, you know, June the next year, and I still haven't haven't seen my family. And I've only ever seen them on video call. Um, you know, just literally seeing things like my nephew grow on video call or, the, or my parents seeing my son grow on video call, hearing his accent change or his mannerisms change all on video call. And that sort of became a normal life for us. And I can't cry over it because I had to realize it was a decision that I made. I made the decision to be here. Yes, I can't control the pandemic, but me being sad and depressed doesn't really help anything. And I had to realize what's within my sphere of control. And, and I had to decide, make decisions in terms of, okay, I can now control these things and I can influence these things. And that's where I'm going to put my energy. And I had to let go of everything else. Yeah, I think I think your approach has and and that's that's really sustained you through the the pandemic and and I can see it coming out again now. So so those are really strong coping mechanisms and the way that you deal with things has has really been helpful and I think those are sort of the insights that would be um valuable in in extracting from this. In in terms of your your long-term plan, do you are, are you you know, I know it's only been 6 months but are you quite comfortable there? Are you enjoying it more or do you have plans to, you know, eventually return to SA? Look, um, I, that's a good question. Um, I always wanted to retire the coast in Durban, <laughs> always. That has not changed. Um, but at the same time, you know, now I've got my son here and it depends where he would want to be. Um, South Africa is beautiful. Being in a different country, I know a lot of people want to travel to London and they want to see London and it's a gorgeous city too. But um, South Africa has a lot to offer. It's quite, um, it's enriched with beauty and natural beauty um, and just, you know, the cultures, et cetera. And, and then you have that familiarity. Um, it will always be a place that I call home. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I would want to be where my son is. <laughs> yeah. If I could retire in Durban, I'm sure he's going to one day want to definitely work or do something in South Africa and have that experience, which I would definitely want him to have. But um, yeah, it depends where life takes us um, in the future. Okay, perfect. And then I think, you know, the, the last question is for anyone else who would like to, to travel abroad. If, if you had the, and I guess you do have the gift of, of retrospective vision, what would you, what piece of advice would you give them in terms of, you know, whether it's saving more or doing this, doing that, whatever it is, what, what, what do you think is sort of the most important piece of advice that you'd give other um, Africans who, who are aspiring to live abroad? Yeah, I would definitely want to, I mean, my biggest thing was definitely saving, um, you know, save at least for at least six months salary um, one needs to save for declutter your home, you know, live a clutter free life, definitely. Um, and try to live minimalistic, you know, minimalistically, because I think in South Africa, we have access to so much and we, we can quickly go out and, you know, buy things that we generally don't need. Um, there's a lot of things that we brought over that we can't use here simple things a plug you know mm. it's not the same and just declutter I mean if if there's intention for people to move over just research the country you're wanting to move to 
um, if you're in a specific role. For me, um, being in HR, the labor legislation was different. Familiarize yourself with what you need to know, whether it's um, in terms of legislation or practices, try to get as much research, speak to people, network on LinkedIn, um, understand what the market looks like, look at how many jobs are in, those, in that company and how often those jobs come about, um, research the markets. Um, you know, I, I just saw a few HR jobs when I was still in South Africa, I saw a few HR jobs here and I thought, oh, there's lots of jobs. But had I checked every day, just have a look, five minutes, I would have seen it's the same jobs that was popping up every day. Um, bearing in mind the 76 million people that live here, um, this place on the map is probably this hot quarter the size of South Africa. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of people. So there's minimal opportunity for the same role. You have to really, um, you know, if you're studying, really work hard at what you want to do. Um, when we talk about a preferred candidate, uh, you know, what defines a preferred candidate? Um, for me, make sure you're the best at what you do. You know, if, if nobody's saying not everybody wants to study, um, yes, that's a perfect opportunity for people to grow and develop. Um, but obviously money is, you know, money is also a factor or a dependency when it comes to limiting a lot of youngsters from wanting to, to uh, progress in their career. And it's totally understandable. Um, you can't have a savings if you don't have an income. And, um, you know, just putting yourself out there, trying to find jobs when, when you're in those jobs, be the best in that. Um, you know, I always believe when the day you, the day you start loving what you do is the day you stop working and don't see a job as I'm doing a job, see it as I'm actually doing something that benefits others. I'm passionate about what I'm doing. And, it becomes fun and you start excelling in it. And that's always been something that I've, um, I've done. So yeah, you know, um, and I know it's easier said, but everyone has the ability to do it. You put your mind to it and, um, and they have the ability to, to do that. So definitely looking at what requirements are unnecessary at different countries if wanting to emigrate. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Young Professional African Edition. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple Music, Spotify, or whatever platform that you use to listen to podcasts. And if you enjoyed the show, give us a like and a follow. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at YP underscore Africa. That's YP underscore Africa. And if you've missed an episode, don't stress. You can catch up on our YouTube channel, YP underscore Africa. Like and subscribe, guys. Like and subscribe. That's it from us, guys. See you next week.